0: Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinion. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. All right, let's hear it for the reviewer of the week. This one is Gracie Cam, and she says, Helping me learn to take the fear out of birth one podcast at a time. I love that title alone before I even get into the words, and I feel like I might want to use that as a tagline. So, send me an email if you're okay with that. (laughs) Because, legitimately, that is like so good. Um, But she says, so encouraging. These ladies are so uplifting and you can feel their passion and love for what they do by the way they run this podcast. And obviously she's talking about Courtney too. So kudos to Courtney. I cannot take all the credit for this comment. Not even close. I had an emergency C-section with my first baby when everything seemed to be going fine and then it all didn't. I have been looking for resources to be better prepared for my next baby and this is absolutely what I was looking for. Blessed to be able to learn from such intentional and inspiring women, truly desiring to make your birth the best it can be helping me learn to take the fear out of birth one podcast at a time thank you so much for your review I can absolutely relate with everything that you talked about same thing I had an emergency c-section and it was like okay it's gonna be fine and then it wasn't there were just things about it and I don't know your exact situation but at least for myself there were things about it like oh I didn't plan for a c-section at all and so um, there were things like the doctor had the the lights were super bright, obviously, which they need to be. But there was music playing that I didn't love I, or didn't like at all that I would really have liked to be shut off or maybe like spa sounds or something. And then I remember too the doctor and the anesthesiologist talking like they were good old buddies. And remember that time we went golfing and, oh, we should do that again. And let's catch lunch. All the while, while they're helping me birth my baby, while I am laid down, strapped down, having my belly, you know, operated on to be able to get my baby safely out. This is the birth of my baby and these were the conversations being had. And I think... You know, I don't think they were purposely disrespectful by any means, but I do think that situation actually I know that situation shaped what I do and um kind of what I stand for today in regards to babies and birth and helping women birth in very comfortable, amazing ways. So I look back and I'm like Yeah, there were a lot of things that I didn't like about that. I probably could have had a voice but didn't know, didn't even know what I could ask for. I just knew that what I, what was happening, I wasn't loving. And so anyways, now, now things are a little bit different. I love, absolutely love that you are taking this one podcast at a time, that you're doing the prep work, you're taking that knowledge and you're working with it because it makes the biggest difference when you take the fear out of it and you have some confidence and knowledge and education behind it, all of a sudden, you've got a lot to lean on when it comes to what you want for your birth experience. So absolutely love it. Keep doing it. This week's podcast, I hope, is going to be super fun and really informative. Um, I, I mean, it's going to be fun for me. I hope you enjoy listening to it. But I think probably the most exciting and common questions that moms have as they approach their due date is, How do I know that labor is coming? When do I know that this is the real thing and that I am going to have a baby? Right? And of course, we all know that there's going to be a time that you're not going to need to guess when you're really in labor. Like it's there's no getting out of it at this point, right? (laughs) We reach that point and you're like, "Yep, okay." We all know every mom's going to make it to that point. You're going to know that you're in labor at some point, but in the beginning, it's really fun to try to figure out. Wait, is this a contraction or is that a Braxton Hicks or is my tummy really tightening? Or how about like, I just lost my mucus plug. Does this mean it's go time? I don't know. Maybe you've been cleaning frantically and you're like, oh, something is definitely different. Like I do not clean like this normally. (laughs) So I'm going to walk you through some telltale and not so telltale signs that this might be the real thing. The first one I want to talk about is nesting right and I kind of gave you a little hint with the like oh I'm cleaning frantically right Um, I think it's an interesting sign and it is something that a lot of moms experience as they get closer to that due date Um, and as you know obviously animals do this too right they start creating their kind of like labor and birth bed they start collecting blankets from around the house or feathers or if they're outside or you know whatever just these like little things sometimes it's toilet paper, paper towels, or right? Like we've heard all these like weird things um, that they start collecting and they like make this little place where they're gonna like relax and get comfortable and eventually for animals especially where they're going to birth their baby. And so if you're finding yourself, oh, I'm like cleaning and I want things to be like really organized and know where everything is um, and I don't wanna bring a baby into a dirty home. I know I had a lot of that. That was the very first time I ever hired a cleaner to come in because I wanted them to like, will you wipe doors and doorknobs will you get baseboards and I'm very pregnant at this point too right will you vacuum and like wipe down cabinets and like I just was like I really want this area to be prepped for baby so making sure that everything is ready for baby is actually a pretty common sign in the end that yes we are getting a little bit closer to the actual labor and along with that is like moms like to organize right and so they'll organize the nursery and then they're like wait I got to reorganize the the nursery. This isn't exactly how I wanted it. And then you put your hospital bag together and then you take it all out and you're like, well, actually, I think I want him to come home in this outfit and I have to make sure I have this and this and this and this. Right. Or if you're like me, you completely leave the hospital bag for the last minute because you're like, hmm, if I don't pack it, I'm not going into labor. Um, that doesn't work. But actually, in my case, it gave me something to do during labor, which I had prodromal labor and a lot of time that might not be your case. I don't recommend this, but. For myself. I did do it all three times and it ended up being just fine. Um, And I think some of it too is like your body's kind of going into panic mode, right? Like make sure everything is just right for baby. Like we have to make sure that the bottles are ready to go and the nursing station is ready to go and the the baby um, where I'm going to change, the diaper station, all of that is ready to go. Like everything is prepared so that baby feels safe and comfortable. And so that I feel safe and comfortable that baby can now come. And I think too, what comes with that is like, especially, um, in that third trimester, I think we're all generally feeling pretty tired, right? Like our bellies are bigger. We're not able to eat as much. We're not sleeping well a lot of the time, right? Tossing and turning. And you've got your eight pillows and your body pillow and your, your, you know, mask to keep all of the light out and the aromatherapy and everything that you can do to sleep and you're still not sleeping well, um, you're probably getting up a couple times in the night to pee, things are just a little bit harder. And so when you realize, oh, shoot, I just got this awesome burst of energy, that tells you, I think for a lot of moms, she's like, oh, wait, something's different. Wait, am I going to go into labor today? Right? <laughs> and so we start thinking about those things, which is fun. Um, but does it mean that baby, baby's coming? Like, is it like a, oh, I'm nesting? I've got like 24 to 48 hours before this baby's here, so I better figure this out. Not necessarily. Um, and oftentimes it can happen, you know, a week or two, obviously, before a baby comes. And so uh, while it's really common at the end of pregnancy, it's not like a telltale sign. Now, it can also include um, kind of a lack of sleep. So you're already not sleeping, right? Which is awesome. Like I talked about tossing and turning, belly's big, all those things. But I think some of it can come from those like racing thoughts too. Probably because we're not even falling into that super deep sleep. So we're like half asleep and then we're like, wait do I have everything that I need for my baby? And then we're back to sleep. And it's like, wait, is my bag, did I pack my hospital bag properly? Like, what if I forgot the whatever, you know, what if, what if my husband's at work and he um, doesn't pick up his phone when I go into labor? Like, am I going to have to drive myself while I'm in labor to the hospital? Or what if my water breaks when I'm shopping or I'm at church or I'm getting my nails done? Like, oh my gosh, you know, and you just start going through all these things. Like, do I have my postpartum meals prepped? And you get the point. Like, there's just a lot, a lot of things that our mind does which is super fun right at the end of pregnancy but it can kind of be associated with that like nesting stuff and I think too like some thoughts are welcome like oh yeah maybe I can look at my checklist tomorrow and make sure I do have everything in my birth bag or oh I did forget to put that I like put the charger by the front door so I don't forget it that way I have my playlist and I can contact people on my phone and then there's others that are just well rude right what if I'm not going to be a good mom what if I should have bought the organic non-toxic sheets Instead of the cheaper ones at Target, like, right, there's like intrusive, rude thoughts that have no business being there, but they exist. So I just want to give you permission, like take what you like out of those, leave the rest. If they're becoming so intrusive and irritating that they're like consuming your mind when you're awake, too, um, and you can't lose them that's when I say do that find it and flip it exercise I'll make sure to put it in the show notes yet again Um, it's kind of that telltale one I tell everybody to go to I use it for everything you can use it having nothing to do with pregnancy Um, postpartum for momming postpartum for life and so this is something that like okay we've got that fear or that negative thought I want you to take those things and then I want you to add some positives so you're going to take that fear Tell it to go away because you're going to add two positive things that are in the direct opposite of that fear and start saying them over and over and over again out loud. It works. And I know it sounds dumb. I get it. But I want you to do it anyways because I know it works. I think funny too, like my husband and I talk about this, Um, but like maybe your nesting is just that you're like burying yourself into this like divot that you're creating in the corner of your couch and you're kind of hunkering down, right? Like if we think about animals and stuff, right? They like grab all their little things together and they like start nesting. Like they sit in it and they hang out in it and that's like where they're comfortable and they relax and they make it smell like them. And sure, you know, as mammals, we do that same thing. So it could just be like, this is my spot on the couch. This is where I feel comfortable. I've got all my little things nearby. I'm going to watch my Netflix and I'm going to hunker down that that could totally be nesting too. And so what do you do with it? What should you do with nesting? Honestly, whatever makes you feel good, but also make sure that you're not getting stuck in the house. So if you're like nesting and you're like, oh, I have to do, da, 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 you know, and you start listing these things and you're stressing out and you're cleaning and you're organizing and you're not taking time to rest, to get outside, to get some fresh air and some sun, Then it's time to like, Okay, let's make sure that we involve our partner in all of the fun thoughts that are happening in our minds right now and then move this outside. Make sure that I'm getting time for myself. Make sure that maybe you guys have some fun things planned. Like we always say like end of the pregnancy, it's time to plan all the fun things. So that looks like we're going to go on a date you know, at 38 weeks, we've got two dates planned this week. And at 39 weeks, I'm going to get my nails done. And at 40 weeks, I'm going to get an ice cream cone with my friend. And we're going to talk for a couple hours. Having those things planned at the end will stop you from obsessing over the nesting part. Okay. So let's talk about the next one. Losing your mucus plug. And this is super common, um, especially for first time moms to be like, oh my gosh, you guys, I lost my plug. It is time have a baby. Unfortunately, that's not exactly how it works. Let's talk a little bit about what a mucus plug is, and then we'll talk about kind of how it works. Um, what it is is what it sounds like. So it's kind of this like thick collection of mucus, and what it does is it seals the opening of the cervix. So your cervix is never like completely closed, right? Like that whole area has to open, and so this is that final sealing. It plugs up that cervix to protect from infection and um, bacteria that can enter the uterus and and not be so great for baby. And so as you um, as labor gets going and you start to get closer to that birthing time your cervix and other parts of your body and especially like inside uterine area start to to change a little bit and one of the things that happens is that cervix opens or dilates and effaces or thins and as it dilates and as all of this little stuff is happening that mucus can start to let go or to drip out or to pop out kind of like a crayon-like plug Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about all the things that it can look like in just a minute but once it gets closer it's really normal for those changes to be occurring so it just means like If you're thinking, oh yeah, I remember I went to my 36-week appointment and they said I was two centimeters dilated. Well, it's likely that you have lost your mucus plug somewhere along the way. We don't always see it. And so dilation is happening. Um, It's also totally fine if you go to your 36, 37, 40-week appointment and you are zero centimeters dilated. I'll talk about dilation actually in a little bit. So what does the mucus plug look like? Some women drop kind of a glob of mucus in the toilet after they're using the restroom. Some women notice mucus on their underwear or while they're wiping after they go to the bathroom. Um, Think of like vaginal discharge and ovulation, (laughs) except a lot more. So any of that um, can be, oh yeah, that's my mucus plug. And it can have kind of like... It varies. Like it can be like a clear with a pink tinge. It can be, um, there might be a little bit of like darker blood or that brown blood. It shouldn't look like, like meconium, like like chunky green or brown, something like that, but um seeing like streaks of it, that's totally normal. It can have traces of blood, also known as bloody show. Um, and so if you're experiencing any of that, it's really exciting, and it does mean that your cervix is it has some changes, and in fact, some of the blood that you're seeing in there is from that dilation. Um, there's actually little capillaries that burst while your cervix is stretching, and so that's why we see a little bit of blood. If you're seeing things like, a trickle of blood down your leg or something like that, that has nothing to do with the mucus plug, you head into your provider right away. But I'll go over a little bit of warning signs in a moment. So basically think of like a globby fun thing of mucus and that is your mucus plug. If maybe you are like, oh, there's kind of some like discharge, but I don't think it's globby. I don't think it's mucusy. It's not like a crayon like plug Um, that, that it's also true that like your discharge can change and will change as you get closer to your due date or just later in your pregnancy. And so that's totally normal, too, but not indication of this is my mucus plug indication of things are getting a little bit closer. Okay, so does that mucus plug mean labor is here? No, most of the time it actually doesn't, although sometimes it is associated with it. And I'm going to give you an example of that in a moment. Um, But you can lose your mucus plug actually weeks or days or during labor, even though you've lost it, say, like 37 weeks. Kind of the neat thing about the mucus plug is you can actually regrow a mucus plug. So even if you've lost one, it can kind of reform again. And that's pretty fun. Um, Either way, though, it does mean that you are getting closer to your due date. And so that, I mean, that is good news. But I would say, especially by itself and without consistent contractions, it doesn't mean that it's go time. And so what should you do if you lose it? Let's talk about that. Take note of it. You want to, you know, what did it look like kind of thing? Um, How much of it was there? I, you know, you can even take a picture and send it to your doula, (laughs) right? Or post it in the Facebook group if you're in the um, private Facebook group. Yes, we have had moms do this. Um, and I I get pictures of them for sure. Like, yep, that's definitely your mucus plug. Or I don't know what that was. No, I'm just kidding. It's almost always the mucus plug if they're willing to take a picture of it, right? Um, but let your provider know at your next visit. It's nothing to like freak out and call about unless you're experiencing some of these warning signs. And so these are just kind of have in the back of your mind. But these are warning signs for anything. So I'm like, if you think it's your mucus plug, but you're also having these things, then contact your provider. Otherwise, it's probably not a big deal. However, I always say like, why not just be cautious and like, let them know, oh, I'm pretty sure this was my mucus plug. Explain it to them over the phone. And then if they feel like there's a reason for you to come in, they can always tell you. Uh, But if it's accompanied by a trickle of blood, if you guys are experiencing any fever or flu-like symptoms or anything that is off, obviously you want to head to your birthplace right away. Um, Trickle of blood is going to be something like, oh, the placenta is letting go or it's something more serious when you're seeing a trickle versus Uh, mucus with like a tinge or like a streak of like a little bit of blood, if that makes sense. So here's the thing about the mucus plug. Like I said, you can lose it and you can regain it. Um, You can also lose it during labor. And so some moms never see it. Um, I think my first baby was the only one I ever saw it with. And I'll kind of tell you about that in a moment but the other ones it probably just happened during labor so sometimes you can and I, I mean probably because I didn't even see it during labor but some women when they start labor it's like oh they go to wipe and all of a sudden they see their mucus plug like they've been laboring for a bit and now they see the mucus plug and they're going to see it throughout labor that is true for some women other women you're just never going to see it at all so I'll tell you a little bit about what happened with my first baby now if you remember maybe from a previous podcast episode but even if you don't that's fine I went into labor kind of in the middle of the night so what happened was I kept having to like get up to pee it was like six or seven times that night which was actually a little bit more <laughs> than it had been prior and it was actually my husband who was like because I told him like oh my stomach is so hard when I touch it and I'm just it's making me have to pee a ton and um, he's like well do you think you're having contractions and that was the first time i had even thought of it and I'm like oh like maybe anyway so I'm like pushing on my stomach um, but what I had was like a tiny leak of my amniotic fluid and so I'm like, gosh, am I like peeing myself? Every time I'd like sit up, I'd be like, oh, there's a little bit of pee and I have to pee again. So contractions can make you have to pee, right? Um, but they were so mellow and so like way early labor that it really wasn't anything. But in the morning when my husband was leaving for work, I went to the bathroom and I wiped and there it was. And I like, I was like, oh my gosh, like it's happening. So I run out of the, well, I run to the door, like pants half down and I'm like, Michael, like I lost it, I lost my mucus plug. So he comes running back and checks it out and we're all very excited and he goes to work. Um, I called the hospital cause I didn't know any better at the time with this first baby and of course they're like okay like pay attention are you having any contractions I talked to him about how like I'm peeing but I don't know if it's amniotic fluid and so mine actually was accompanied with the beginning of very early labor so it was kind of like the water had this trickle and then what I think happened obviously is that my cervix started dilating and there went my mucus plug so I'm sitting on the couch and I'm timing contractions I'm not doing anything to get labor going I'm just sitting there um, and then they tell me, of course, that I should come in and make sure that it's my water and everything. And so I'm like looking at my unshaved legs and my toenails and I'm like, mm, I have better plans. I am going to get in the shower and I'm going to shave my legs and paint my toenails and then I will go in. And it's, I mean, it's a good thing I did. I had plenty of time. Um, and if you remember that first birth didn't go so well, yes, my water was broken. Instead of trying to get things to go naturally, they ended up using Pitocin. My baby didn't like it. It ended in a cesarean birth. So All of that put together, had I known what I know today, early signs of labor, trickle, contractions, bloody show, that's time to go to Target, right? Anyone else? In other words, it's time to get things moving and going a little bit on our own before we head into the hospital. Um, Okay, so actually on that note, the next sign is your water breaking. And obviously if water breaks, you are having a baby soon. (laughs) There's no like, there's no if, and, or bad about it. Right. So obviously uh, we know once that water breaks something, if it doesn't happen right away, because I know this is like the like TV version, right? Like water breaks, mom's screaming. Oh my gosh. All of a sudden we're having a baby. Like no, some women I feel like wish it was a little bit more that way. Right. But it's just not. So Um, kind of what happens is you got increased pressure and it's putting that, the amniotic sac has that increased, increased pressure and it can cause it to rupture, which is interesting because I've even had like a bulging bag of waters myself. And then there were like a couple more contractions and it's probably going to go. And that baby was born in the call. So it's, I mean, there's all different kinds of ways and whatever that can make it go or not go. But I think it's kind of just on its own schedules. But, um, like I explained it, sometimes it breaks all the way. Like you can have a little trickle where it doesn't break all the way or you have the way that it breaks all the way and it's like this giant gush. I have been at Burt's and it's so cool. I haven't had this experience myself, but where um, you hear an audible pop and then just the poof, like it goes everywhere. And it's so cool. I remember the first time it happened I was like, did you hear that? Like, obviously she heard that, but I was so excited. She just looked at me and smiled like, yeah, yeah, I did hear that, you know, but it was so cool. Um, and so if you're like starting to feel like fluid or trickling or wetness on your underwear, um, it's time to like keep track of it, you know? So, um, You put like a liner on and you're like, oh, that's like heavier than it normally is because it's really common for us to have um, fluids at the end of pregnancy. But if you put that on and you're like, oh, yeah, like I am like filling like a small pad or whatever, then it's time to probably get it checked out or to at least know like, oh, that's probably my water. Here are some things that I should probably be doing to get things going. Either way, I think this is probably the one that like the most obvious sign, like for sure, this is labor, right? Um, but does it mean that labor's going to re- begin right away? No. And so that's why I'm like, okay, here's... There's some things that you can do to get labor going on your own before heading into your birthplace if you're in the clear. So I think, too, it's really important to discuss these things prior to them happening during labor. So have the conversation about what's the protocol if my water breaks with your provider before you go into labor. And if you have some things that are important to you, like even if like in your head, if you're like, okay, when I ask my provider, if he says I have to come in right away, I don't really want to do that. Have some other options to discuss and see how that conversation goes because you want to do it safe for your baby, but you also want to have some freedom to be able to do what you want to do and hold true to like the labor that you're trying to create, this birth experience that you want to have for yourself. You know, you want to also take into account how far along are you. So if it happens at like 34, 35 weeks, obviously you head directly to the hospital. Um, and so you talk that over with your provider. If he's like, yeah, 37, 38 weeks and your water breaks and you're, you're, it's all cleared and you can stay at home then great. You know, you can do that. And so here's kind of that acronym that I've gone over before, but I want you to remember if your water breaks to think of taco. Okay. Just go, go delicious Mexican food with me here. So if it all checks out, meaning time, amount, color, odor. So you keep track of the, like what time it broke, how much was it a trickle or a gush? The color, was it clear, Um, Or was it like green or brown or sludgy or anything like that? The odor, was it like kind of like a saltwater smell or almost nothing? Or did it have kind of like a fouler smell to it? If it is, no matter how much comes out, if it is clear and odorless and you've discussed with your provider before and you're all in the clear that you want to stay home and labor for a bit, then great, you can do that. And so if it happens in the middle of the night, it's likely you're going to want to keep resting. Go back to sleep if you can. Clean yourself up, whatever. You're going to be excited. Put your body down in that resting position until it's time for you to get up. Then when it's time to get up, get up, get going with your day. And then we'll start talking about some things that can get it moving. If it happens during the day, then that's time when you can walk around You can, um, like I said, get cleaned up. Make sure that you're eating something with protein, carbs, and fat. So I always say, like, early labor, make sure that you get a good hearty meal because you don't know the next time that you're going to get that and you're going to need all the energy that comes from eating that way. So make sure you do that. Now, how to get things moving. So once that water is broken, I want you to think of, like, walking, walking, Taking a bath or shower. You definitely need to eat. Uh, Resting is actually really important. And if you want to get things moving in a restful way, I'll put a link to it, but there's the exaggerated side lying position from the mile circuit that you can do while you rest. Um, And then, along with that, once you're ready to get things moving, the mile circuit is really um, popular and really effective in helping you get your labor moving. Then we go into the more aggressive things, right? I say aggressive lightly, don't worry. Um, But that's things like, I said aggressive before the wrong thing here, I was going to say nipple stimulation. Um, But you don't, I mean, you don't want to be too aggressive with that. It's just that it's a more aggressive form. Like doing this will be able to help you go into labor. And so Nipple stimulation looks like you can um, use a breast pump if you have that at home and you just attach that and get it working while you're kind of trying to get contractions going. You can use that actually with something like Clary Sage and acupressure points, you probably can't be doing this all at the same time by yourself so this is where your partner could come in or you could switch off doing these things the other way to stimulate if you don't have a breast pump or if you're just wondering um, you can do it while you're walking too is you kind of just like twist or um, get the nipple stimulated in one way or another so that that and it's just like breastfeeding like um, after we have our babies and they breastfeed that stimulation produces oxytocin, which produces contractions, which helps us birth our placentas. Well, you're doing the same thing. So you're, you're hitting up that oxytocin, which is what creates contractions. And so all of those things are going to help you get contractions going. The truth is, chances are, are that probably things are going to pick up. And so you just need to be a little bit patient. Don't be too aggressive, um, especially if you're already tired. Make sure that you're giving yourself the rest, but trust the process and do what you can to get things moving in a positive direction. The nice thing too, I mean, I don't know if this is nice. You'll have to tell me. I can't say that I've had my water break and then things go. But what I what I feel like I'm observing is with a mom that has water broken from the beginning, because she doesn't have that cushion, those contractions can be a little more intense from the beginning. But I think too, because that's the only way she's done contractions for this labor, it makes it just part of the process instead of you've been laboring for 10 hours and then all of a sudden the water breaks and now they're really intense and you know um like they're closer together and everything but also you're feeling them a lot more so um I'm gonna say for moms that have their water break and they get moving right away that this can actually be a benefit for you and so I want you to think of it that way of course now let's talk about dilation because I know like it's interesting because I've had moms go and they're like, Oh, I'm like two or three centimeters dilated. Like my doctor and I'm 39 weeks. They said that I'm going to have this baby by this weekend. That's not necessarily true. And that's the same truly with a mom that is six centimeters dilated. You know, I've I've had one, my sister here on the the birth podcast, but I've also had clients who that was very much the case for them. They're six centimeters dilated for like two or three weeks, sometimes four weeks before even having a baby. And then you'll have people who are zero centimeters dilated and have a baby that night. And so those are the ones like you're getting close to your due date. You know, you had a vaginal exam, and your provider is like, look, we're not seeing any progress. We really need to start talking induction. And then all of a sudden that mom goes into labor and has a baby 10 hours later. Um, So I, again, dilation tells us nothing in that regard, at least as far as like when you're going to have this baby. But if you start dilating, then you know, oh, my body is at least prepping. We're getting a little bit closer. It can be used in that light. So remember, it's got to make it to 10 centimeters before you are able to deliver that baby. So you've got a little bit of work to do and it can take quite a while Um, and so but just knowing that it's doing those things is pretty exciting and remember too if you are a mom that is coming up to your due date and induction is a topic of conversation dilation is just a piece of it and so for moms who are wondering well, if I have to be induced or I choose to be induced, what what does this look like for me? And I'm going to tell you right now, dilation alone absolutely tells you nothing. And I am much more likely to recommend that you look at the effacement because I feel like talking to moms time and time again, I know from experience now it is there's a greater chance for a mom who has better effacement. In other words, if you're zero percent effaced, it goes zero to 100 percent, and that's how thin the cervix is. So if you are, you know, effacing instead of like, oh, I'm four centimeters dilated, but you're zero percent effaced, I think that induction is going to take a lot more intervention than a mom that's like one centimeter dilated but 60 percent effaced. From what I've seen, those inductions go smoother. Now the Bishop's and I won't get into all of that, but it includes some other things. It's not just dilation and effacement. It talks about baby's position and cervical position and and other things, but I'm telling you for effacement purposes, for induction purposes, effacement is where it's at. So that's my, um, personal (laughs) take on that so take what you will and I didn't even really mean to get into that just know that dilation doesn't necessarily tell you anything but you can take it as a positive if you have a vaginal exam and you're like two three centimeters dilated or whatever it's like oh my body's doing the work and that's exciting all right how about your baby dropping this is really common especially with first-time moms like baby drops and everyone's like oh my gosh it's go time like seriously I can breathe better I can eat more food like I feel better Um, it must be time for baby to be here. In my case, I was like, oh, that baby just dropped and I just added a couple stretch marks to my thighs. Like those did not exist last night when I went to bed. So um, anyways, with moms, first time moms are the ones that actually have that baby drop prior to labor. Once you've had a baby, your baby doesn't really drop until you're in labor and it can happen. It's just way, way less likely. So, um, the, the truth is, if you have uh, with a first time mom, it's going to be like a week or two before labor. So you can say, oh, yeah, a couple weeks out, like another. It's just another information that's like, oh, yes, my body is preparing to do this thing. Um, but and then especially for like later moms. Sorry, we don't even get that like heads up. So once baby drops, you do feel more pressure in the vaginal area. Just remember that baby's positioning themselves and getting ready to kind of work their way through. So that's really exciting. OK, how about back pain? Um... Back pain is something that obviously like our, our ligaments and muscles, those feel weird as baby grows and kind of like pushes and pulls on these areas. Um, We're just getting bigger in general. So like back pain is kind of a normal thing, but the pain can worsen in the lower back and kind of radiate to the pelvic area once things are looking like they're going to be getting moving. So you can change position to provide relief. Um, But unfortunately, I think a lot of the time that just kind of like stays with you. I don't even know if I would say unfortunately, but just be aware that that kind of discomfort is going to stay with you until baby's here, possibly, if it has to do with, oh, these are actually contractions. And I think probably the most telltale sign, and especially as a doula, I will tell you, um, it's it's when I hear mom, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm having these like back pains and they're kind of coming or, or menstrual cramps, right? I'm having this menstrual cramping and this lower back pain and they're kind of coming in like 10-minute waves or 7-minute waves. And it's like, okay, um, let's stay in touch. Let me know how you're feeling. Take a walk, take a bath, all the normal things. And it's not until I get the text messages or the call that's like, okay, they're like starting to wrap around to the front now that is for me a telltale sign that we are in early active labor so um and you'll hear from moms that I have on the birth podcast that I, this is something I ask them because I know that you guys are really curious. Like, how do I tell if it's a real contraction or what did they feel like in the very beginning? How am I going to know? And this one for me is very telltale. If mom is having those menstrual cramp pains, she's got lower back pain and it starts wrapping around, curving around to the front, those are real contractions. And so if you're having um, back pains, it can also Well, it's just part of it. There's some things that you can do for comfort, but be aware that if it's like especially like difficult back pain, that it could be a baby in a posterior position um, or kind of flipped around the way that can cause a little bit more discomfort for mom, can make contractions a little irregular, sporadic, um, and painful. And so as labor progresses, it's not going to hurt you to be doing these things anyways. And so if you're not sure, which... Once you really get going, you'll know like, oh, this back pain is not letting go even in between contractions. Um, But doing things like rebozo work or side lying or using a peanut ball, um, using heat and compression. So like a hands-on kind of support, all of that's going to be really beneficial for mom during this time. And then lastly, we've got prodromal labor, right? The rudest of all labors. These are contractions that have been going on for a few days or weeks. They're very real. They get longer, stronger, closer together, and then they kind of fizzle out or they'll or maybe not completely fizzled out. Like it, you're probably not getting a lot of rest. It can be where you're like, oh my gosh, I just had six hours of like constant contractions, and then they went away for eight hours. Or it can be like I've had two or three, and then I get 45 minutes, and then they come back. And it really is mentally and emotionally exhausting. And so what I want you to focus on if you're dealing with prodromal labor, and this is just they're real labor contractions. They can take on real labor patterns. They're doing very real work. It just doesn't end with a baby in your arms. So in until it like kicks in and things are really moving um I want you to remember like it's an emotional and physical exhaustion and a mental game so make sure that you're getting rest make sure that you reach out for support I know that we have moms in in the Facebook group that that's exactly what they do they read through all the stories you like type in prodromal labor right and they're like okay positive story positive story positive story and they reach out to the group they ask for help they let you know where you're at and I think saying it out loud too is really important this is how I'm feeling and I feel like it's never going to end and I'm so tired and I'm so exhausted and I'm afraid when labor starts, I'm not going to have the energy that I need to be able to finish the job. Um, Saying that out loud makes it lose power so I think it's really important that you um, listen to what you need and say those things out loud and then obviously I'm gonna lean you towards those positive affirmations um, and I'm also gonna send you to episode 104 (laughs) because that is where I have an entire episode about prodromal labor all right I hope you enjoyed this episode I love talking about the signs that birth is coming I love listening to birth stories too because those are the ways that you're like getting into mom's head and hearing all about oh wait when this and this and this, and you start piecing it all together. And honestly, even in my own stories, I'm like, but was that really what was happening? (laughs) Um, But then all of a sudden, like, you know, you're going to hit that point. I promise when you know that this is the real thing Um, and then you'll be prepared and ready to go. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.